Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Coven members, we have some important information for you regarding Georgia's upcoming Senate runoff election! So, you might be thinking, didn't we just have a really painful election? Mm -hmm. And haven't I already seen these people's names on a ballot and aren't we done yet? But Mm -hmm. no, there is an upcoming runoff election in the state of Georgia. It is incredibly important. So, what the heck is a runoff election? Under Georgia's laws, a Senate candidate needs to hit 50% of the vote in order to avoid a runoff. So, in the election in November, neither of the state's current Republican senators, David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, reached that cutoff, meaning both contests will go to a runoff election on January 5th. 2021. Mm-hmm. And these two races will decide control of the Senate for the first two years of President elect Joe Biden's first term. But here is the key Democrats need to win both races in Georgia mm-hmm. in order to control the Senate. Okay? Mm-hmm. So many important pieces of legislation hinge on these races protecting the Affordable Care Act protecting folks with pre-existing conditions, helping folks financially and also medically during this pandemic, dealing with student loan debt, basically anything on Joe Biden's agenda that you support, any kind of progressive idea whatsoever. Yeah, we need to win these two Senate runoff elections in Georgia in order to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So... If you listened to our Pandemic Problems episode, you will remember my case revolved around Senators David Perdue and Kelly Leffler and 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 their suspected insider trading for which they've been investigated. Kelly Leffler was insider trading Barbie. Her husband is the CEO of the company that owns the New York Stock Exchange. She has a background in stock trading Mm -hmm. and she got classified coronavirus briefings back in January and then instead of warning her constituents about the very real threat of the coronavirus and COVID-19 she decided to sell off all her stocks to make money and invest in stock that she knew would also skyrocket yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so that's the kind of craven person that is currently representing the state of Georgia Mm-hmm. Purdue, no better. He did similar stuff around stocks. He also has repeatedly voted against protecting people with pre-existing conditions and then lied about it. Mm-hmm. Both Leffler and Purdue have downplayed the threat of coronavirus and endangered the lives of millions of Georgians. They're bad news, people. They're bad. Mm-hmm. They're not great. So their opponents on the Democratic side are John Ossoff, who is an investigative journalist who has fought tirelessly against corruption, and the Reverend Raphael Warnock, who is a pastor at Dr. Martin Luther King's former church, and he has also done a lot of work for Medicare and the ACA. So 
mm-hmm. very good options there. Should mm-hmm. these two be elected, they have both committed to co-sponsoring and voting in favor of the Equality Act, which is a crucial federal piece of legislation that would finally guarantee explicit protections for LGBTQ people under our nation's existing civil rights law because that doesn't currently exist. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So their opponents are both anti-LGBTQ extremists who will, will undermine the rights and well-being of that community. It is crucial to do everything we can to ensure that Ossoff and Warnock win their races. That cannot be overstated. So for Mm -hmm. Georgia voters, here are some key dates to remember. December 7th, voter registration deadline to vote in the federal runoff election. You must be registered by December 7th. Mm -hmm. Then on December 14th, advanced in-person or early voting begins. So you can vote as early as December 14th. Get your vote in when you can. Highly recommend that. As we've mentioned, January 5th, 2021 is runoff election day. Big day. As a side note, huge, huge. As a side note, if you will turn 18 by January 5th, 2021, then you can register right now to vote in this election. But crucial, check your registration status because Republican politicians have purged voter rolls in recent years. So you need to double check that you are still registered or you can find out how to register at Georgia.gov. Make sure you do mm-hmm. that. So important. And you don't need to live in Georgia to get involved. You can join us, us gals, in the fight to flip the Senate by donating and volunteering with Fair Fight, which works to promote fair elections in Georgia and around the country, encourage voter participation in elections, and educate voters about elections and their voting rights. And of course, you've probably heard of Fair Fight before because it's founded by national treasure Stacey Abrams. And you can find out more at fairfight.com. So get out there and let's flip the Senate. Let's do do it. it. You are listening to Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Mm You gosh darn right. You darn true. Decided to go for the accent for the whole intro. Lean into it. Yeah. My furnace went out. My house is freezing. Nailed it. I'm wearing a winter hat, a very cute Wine and Crime winter hat, branded. Cutie. In my own home. Yeah. For warmth. Like you do. I'm wearing a full fur stole. Mm. I'm wearing the Lizzo shirt that I fell asleep in last night. Mm-hmm. And you would know this if you were a Patreon donor and watching the video yeah, right also, now. You'd true. also know how great my nails look. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. I got a Christmas Manny. Oh, my God. <laughs> my toes are also green glitter. I have Grinchy toes. Good Lord. I know. I don't I, think I could pull that off. I can't, but who's seeing my feet? <laughs> Glittery Me. green. Okay. Who Me are we? Me and the people oh. that I showed on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> who's going to see it? Oh, right. Who's I posted see it on my Instagram. Feet? <laughs> Me and... All of the Who am I trying to impress besides my 25 million followers? <laughs> I wish it was 25 million. That would validate me so deeply. Yes, it would. would it, or would you just want 26? That. <laughs> both of those things. Where's I'm the Kenyan. lie? Oh, yeah. She's Kenyan. <laughs> oh, I'm Lucy. I'm Amanda. I am the vapid one. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a... 
Very special fan pick this week, brought to you by the very patient Paul Schultz. Paul, this- let us tell you. We, we are so scoured for cases. <laughs> and it, it this was the hardest research we've ever done. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was and I kept trying to find something more like scintillating even after we adjusted the the topic, but I, I really couldn't. But I do really like my case, but it's really sad. It was t- Yeah, this was a challenge. So what we've landed on for Paul's pick is deceptive DNA. Mm-hmm. So cases where like DNA was used in the investigation or in the trial, but maybe used incorrectly mm-hmm. or, or maybe led, led people was a astray. Red herring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. A, a red herring. Red herring. DNA. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. So uh, pretty exciting because sometimes I think we think about DNA in these cases and are like, well, there you get. There you have it. The yeah, DNA does How right. problematic that mm-hmm. way of thinking really is until we did this episode, honestly. So it's like completely changed how I look at DNA. We'll yeah. get to it. Yeah, I'm excited for you. Yeah, yeah. for sure. DNA. Yeah. <laughs> but first, let's get some booze. Yeah. In our bellies. Amanda, what is our wine crime pairing? It is the most exciting glorious, stunning wine pairing of all time. (laughs) So today, we're pairing wine with our motherfucking faces on it. Hell yeah, we got wine. We have custom wine. Since wine is clearly in our DNA, we decided to make some. I'm going to hold this like my baby because it's literally our baby. Oh, yeah. It's the thing I'm most proud of. You're mommy's yeah. special girl. Yes, you are. You're mommy's special girl. Oh, <laughs> my dog's getting confused. So we partnered with Blentique Wine Co. out of California, which is this absolutely amazing wine mm-hmm. company where you can literally get your own blending kits and craft mm-hmm. your own wines. Mm-hmm. So like Date Night has just come to a completely new level in quarantine people so get and on by it. date night we mean alone a night zoom call with your best friends correct yeah yeah so with their guidance in our drinking expertise <laughs> <laughs> we put together three wines the gals rosé oh, which yeah. if you are on patreon you can see look at that label so just i studying. just love Danielle the label so job. much the gals Red Blend, mm-hmm. another absolutely gorgeous, mm-hmm. beautiful baby. And yes, the gals Chardonnay. <laughs> yeah, we did it, y'all. We it's went there. really good. It's yeah. really good. And you know what? Life is all about learning, growing, mm-hmm. admitting yeah. when you've been wrong. I mean, yeah. we haven't been wrong. This is not a traditional Chardonnay. It drinks more like a soft blonde. It's not your granny yeah. Chardonnay. Yeah, it's not your grandma's butter bomb. It is so delicious. delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, and these wines can be enjoyed by you, beautiful listener, if you head to wineandcrimepodcast.com forward slash wine. So check that out. You can order it online. They mail it to you. It's a whole thing. It's very exciting, and we're very excited. Mm-hmm. Um Today, in particular, I'm featuring the Gals Rosé because I had a bottle already open and I'm not about to waste a single fucking drop. (laughs) (laughs) And yes, it's like 11.15 in the morning as we're recording this. And this wine is so good 
and so mm. perfect as a before noon treat. I was going to say, rosé is, uh, it, it's a daytime. Rosé before noon is very French. You can't yeah. rosé all day if you don't start in the morning. Correct. Right? Thank you. Just saying. So this is a Central Coast, California, 2019 Pinot Noir rosé, which is one of my personal favorite rosé varietals. It's just so perfect. Pinot Noir is so perfect for rosé. Mm-hmm. It's a gorgeous blush pink. It's light and drinkable, but it doesn't lose any of its complexity. Like when you think of a light rosé, you're worried that it's just going to be like no flavor. But Mm -hmm. this is so nice and balanced and layered and gets so many nice complex flavors. It's not too sweet. Yeah. It's awesome. It has like a little bit of tart fruit on the front end, but it finishes super clean and dry. So it's really, really nice with food. Hi. Mm -hmm. Yum. Mm -hmm. It's all the um, best things about rosé, just wrapped really up is. into one. I'm very mm-hmm. proud of this rosé. Oh, um, yeah. So this is a rosé to be adored all year round, let me tell you. She clocks in at a sweet 13% ABV and is a popper. And what better way to open a wine and crime wine than with a friggin' wine and crime nice pop wine key? Which oh, you can yeah. get on our online store, wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com. Mm-hmm. But I will not be using a wine key today, since like I said, this bottle is already open, so I'm going to be pulling the cork out with my teeth like a lady. <laughs> <laughs> so I shall we keep, pop? I just keep gazing at these bottles. I know. I love them so much. They're so pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm about to lose a crown. You ready? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Oh my God, she's actually doing it. Oh! <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> I chipped a tooth. Just kidding. I didn't chip a tooth. I'm fine. I also have not been able to locate my wine glasses yet. So I'm just drinking out of this Don Ho Polynesian Palace. That's huge. Glass. I thought it was a pint glass. I mean, it basically is. It's like two thirds of a pint. There she goes. There oh my she God. goes. There's the rest of that bottle. I'm not driving today. It's COVID 19. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1120. Right. Well, drink a. up. We're getting our work done early today. So drink yes. up, baby. <laughs> oh, I'm saving this. I'm going to make this into I'm going to do one of those make annoying lamp. crafts where I'm going <laughs> to fill it with lights. A Christmas tree made out of our own faces. <gasps> yeah. Zach keeps like listing people that we should give these wines to, uh-uh, and I uh-uh. keep being like, um, but they're mine. I'll send them a link where they can buy their fucking own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, but I want to keep all of them. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, well, cheers, everyone. Cheers. Yeah, this is a lot. I did. I've made mistakes. Okay. You've done worse. Okay, Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych for deceptive DNA? No psych. I should tell you right now, there's no psych. No psych. Moving on. (laughs) Okay, so I'd like to start out by saying my word a day email the other day was consanguineous. I don't know if I'm saying that right. You're a consanguineous. Exactly. (laughs) Which means related by blood, which I felt like was related to this topic and also Mm. fun to say if I'm saying it correctly consanguineous sure okay so dna or deox deoxyribonucleic acid nailed it Mm -hmm. is a molecule composed of two polyonucleotide chains that coil around each other to form a double helix carrying genetic instructions for the development functioning growth and reproduction of all known organisms and many viruses 
Mm. Mm-hmm. So that pesky COVID probably has a little double helix of its own. Mm. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. There's no way to know. We know nothing about this virus also. <laughs> I, Except I mean, that I think it's kind of like a disco ball. It'll kill you. With little disco balls. It's ball literally pairs. my light my Sputnik light fixture that's in my kitchen. Right. I mean that's with my COVID my COVID homage. Mm-hmm. Well, within that spiky ball. Oh, is the helix? I think so. Okay. Who knows? There's no way to know. DNA and ribonucleic acid or RNA are nucleic acids, alongside proteins, lipids, and complex carbohydrates, or polysaccharides, nucleic acids are one of the four major types of macromolecules that are essential for all known forms of life. Life. This is bringing me back to a test in high school biology. Mm Miss Walker. That the only way I passed was Jessica, like, cobbling me through my studying dragging me through it because i sat down i like missed the class day where we had the test because i had like a dentist appointment or something lucky and then had to come back in and take the test like later in the day yeah and i sat down and looked at the questions realized that i was going to abominably fail this test and faked anaphylactic shock (laughs) literally sat there and just started scratching myself like all over like making my skin like bright red like scratching 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 that's kind of crazy i know and then i went to the then i went to the teacher and was like i had a doctor's appointment earlier today and um i think i'm having a reaction oh my lord (laughs) and she was like go Go and then I it's like went fine. home and Just studied go. and then took the test later. Well, I passed biology because I sat in between Blortney and Jessica. <laughs> oh, you really? Yeah, yeah. You I scooped. Had, <laughs> you had two solid crutches to get yeah. you through that marathon. Yeah. That was also the class where, uh, let's say, Plan Flendel sat right behind yeah. me, and we were working at our lab desks one day, and he just. <laughs> Opened a drawer, pulled out a bean burrito, and ate it. (laughs) Was it even his? He does. Who knows? No explanation. Great. There was. He offered no information. (laughs) But I saw it with mine own eyes. Mm -hmm. It did happen. This was the year he had his jaw wired shut. Oh, that was a weird time for Plan Blendle. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, uh. Tonka 05. <laughs> Go skippers. Swiss dude Johann Friedrich Meischer was the first to identify nucleic acid in our white blood cells in 1869. Nice. How? Nice. I, I don't know. Magic? Yeah, Magic. literal magic. Got it. They barely had microscopes. Yeah. I know. University of Cambridge biologists Francis Crick and James Watson ever heard of them? who first proposed the double helix structure of DNA in a 1953 issue of Nature magazine. So they mm. were the ones who were like, okay, this we know legit. that there's something called nucleic acid, but now we know the structure of it so we can understand how it works. Got it, got it, okay. got it, got it, got it. 
A few decades later, British geneticist Sir Alec Jeffries made a breakthrough discovery that led him to develop DNA profiling. That technology came into wider use in 1986 and immediately helped authorities convict a man of two rapes and murders committed within the past three years. So they like implemented that shit. Also, I'd like to point out that it's all dudes who are credited with this. There's no doubt in my mind that women were actually behind a lot of these discoveries. Yeah, As Annie Lennox and Aretha Franklin said in the acclaimed musical song, Sisters Are Doing It For Themselves, Mm -hmm. behind every great man, there has to be a great Great woman. woman. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Also, I'm pretty sure women, like, got us to the moon. Yeah. So DNA is like nothing. So the most basic thing we can tell from DNA is the sex of a person, the binary sex. Mm-hmm. Whether someone is male or female, if they have X and Y chromosomes, they're male. And if they have pairs of X chromosomes, they're female. So in the eyes of DNA, in the, in binary. the eyes of chromosomes, yep. yeah. we will get deep into this shit because mm-hmm. I think this is sort of where Paul kind of wanted us to go with the topic when it comes to non-binary intersex trans people mm-hmm. and DNA analysis because there's just it's it gets or like if somebody's DNA was like left at the scene and the DNA would indicate a certain type of biological sex but somebody's gender expression or identity was different than that biological sex that could lead investigators down the wrong you know Path. I think that's what Paul was hoping we would find mm-hmm. a case of. I couldn't find. A I case couldn't like either that. because unless you're J.K. Rowling and you're inventing like a trans serial killer, yeah, <laughs> Buffalo Bill is like not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't cool couldn't it. find it. Okay. I found cases where like there were suspects who happened to be trans, mm-hmm. but that didn't impact the investigation. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, so let's get into it right now. This XX and XY chromosome thing, of course, oversimplifies biological gender because we also have intersex individuals. Mm -hmm. It's a whole spectrum. So intersex means that there is a discrepancy between the external and internal genitals, i.e. the testes and the ovaries. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Intersex people are individuals born with any of several variations in sex characteristics, including chromosomes, gonads. Gonads. Mm -hmm. I like forget that that's a real scientific word. It's like a term. I know. Yeah, gonad is always a surprise word. Because like (laughs) high school football coaches ruined it for everyone. Yeah. By like saying, don't kick them in the gonads or whatever. (laughs) Gonads. Um, Sex hormones or genitals that, according to the UN Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights, quote, do not fit the typical definitions for male or female bodies. This range of atypical variation may be physically obvious from birth, so babies may have ambiguous reproductive organs, or at the other extreme range, it is not obvious and may remain unknown to people all their lives. Mm. It is a very complete spectrum. Mm -hmm. Or not known until somebody, you know, reaches like adolescence or Mm -hmm. like puberty and Mm -hmm. then... Things aren't playing out as they would expect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When that yeah. hormone expression time, mm-hmm. that magical time in someone's life. The blooming kind of, of your hormones. That mm-hmm. is freq- that's frequently where these sorts of cases are 
discovered. Discovered, yeah. Mm-hmm. But like I said, it could be super obvious or it could be super not obvious and you'd never know that you're mm-hmm. intersex. Right. So intersex can be divided into four categories. We have XX intersex, which means that the person has ovaries or ovary types inside their body, but externally it's appears to be more like a penis. Mm-hmm. And the difference between a penis and a vagina it's again kind of a spectrum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's kind of wild but yeah there's very we can we could go both ways with this then we have xy intersex which means there are testes or testy like apparatus apparati mm-hmm. and then what appears to be a vagina and then true gonadal intersex, which it is possible to have both XX and XY in this case. This this type of intersex is like 50-50. It's like mm. totally a dude and totally a chick at the same time. Neither, neither, or both. Exactly. And we have the category of complex or undetermined intersex, which, again, all, it, it's, it's a fucking spectrum. A lot of We're possibilities. Lots of possibilities. Also. And also more common than one might think. And I don't have any statistics in front of me, but I feel like uh, yeah, ranges of various intersex possibilities, m- a lot more common than one might think. Mm-hmm. I think that when, like we were talking about, when we think about DNA and like, you know, sort of like if the glove, if the glove fits, you must right. acquit. And or like, yeah. Ev- mm-hmm. Things are tied up in a neat little bow. That is almost never the case. Mm-hmm. Like DNA, evolution, biology, it's a lot s- messier than mm-hmm. we would probably like to think. But mm-hmm. all of these things are possible. They are they happen frequently. It's not just in humans either. It's just right. every yeah. living organism that has this, D- you know, the DNA, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever. Okay, so there are a ton of causes and variations when it comes to intersex individuals, and I won't go into it now, but as we've been saying, just know that gender is complicated to say nothing of gender identity and expression. Mm-hmm. Gender on a, like, on a DNA level is complicated mm-hmm. enough. Uh-huh. And mm-hmm. we're still learning more about the science behind it, and for the purposes of this episode, a simple, what I just want to get across, a simple DNA sample might be anything but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what else can DNA tell us? This is a quote from The Guardian. It can tell us hair color. Wait a minute. Not you. (laughs) Doubt it. Not in your case. Again, not hair color expression. (laughs) (laughs) Hair color identity. Fair. Many redheads have a different version of a gene that prevents pigment-producing cells called melanocytes responding to a hormone that instructs them to make a dark pigment. A DNA sample from someone carrying two of the mutated genes has a 96% probability of being naturally red-haired. Wow. A DNA test developed by the Forensic Science Service can identify eight common mutations of this gene that have the same effect of stopping it from working. So if you, ha- if you are, have that natural redhead gene, we can see it in your DNA. Mm. That'll be on your criminal profile. <laughs> That'll the carpet the does test. match the drapes. <laughs> God. Okay, we can also tell eye color. At least four genes work together to determine your eye color. By analyzing these genes, scientists can classify someone into one of three eye color groups. We have the light group, which is blue and gray eyes. We would all fall into the light group. Mm-hmm. Dark, which is black or 
brown and then uh, hazel is the is the third category. And that they can determine that with 97 percent cer- certainty. Hmm. So hazel would include green, I'm guessing. Uh, hazel green. Yeah. That mm-hmm. pretty golden greeny brown. That's what Zach has. The asshole. That. Attention. OK. It can also uh, uh, detect attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or ADHD. Guilty. <laughs> This condition has been linked with a genetic stutter in the gene DAT1, which is involved in nerve impulses. So when I say a genetic stutter, I'm talking about like when you look at the when you look at that chunk There's of a blimp. DNA. Mm-hmm. A blimp? Are we back a to blimp. blimps? A blimp. A blimp. Oh. blimp. Not a blimp. I got Jesus. excited. I liked our blimp. As someone who has this blimp. <laughs> <laughs> can confirm oh my god okay it can also determine um your body clock the per 2 gene has been linked with advanced sleep phase syndrome so that is wanting to go to bed early and wake up early i Ugh. don't have that another yeah. gene the per 3 is found more often in night owls yeah oh, super per interesting three. <laughs> represent although i am starting to change but up until people don't really change, you can't change your DNA, honey. That's true. You, you can, can't run I think from it. I think maybe I just have depression, yeah, and a really good mattress. Yep. Oh, so now I'm just yeah. sleeping more. That's a dangerous combo. Yeah, it's the mattress though. I fucking love my purple mattress, <laughs> and they are not even paying for an ad on this episode, and I fucking love it. Yeah. She's okay. good. <laughs> okay, your DNA can also uh, give insight into like the longevity of your life. Particular versions of the clotho gene. Also, I don't know how the fuck they come up with the names for these like chunks of DNA. But I have whatever. to imagine people who discover them are likely responsible for some of these names. Yeah, attributions. Related. Well, like some are. Um, Numbers. Some, some are, are numbers. We've got per two and per three and DAT one and mm-hmm. whatever. It's and like then vitamins. Clotho. It's yeah. like some vitamins are called by their letters. Some are like called by their name. Some are called B. Some have numbers and letters like B three and B six. I'm not smart enough to know why. Yeah, I could have googled it, but I didn't. I don't care enough to know why. <laughs> Okay, so particular versions of the clotho gene are associated with longevity in humans. It seems to influence age-related conditions such as heart disease and stroke. This is a frustrating one for a Jacobson child because on the one hand, you've got your dad kicking the bucket at 62. And then on the other hand, you've got your grandmother thriving until 102. (laughs) Yeah. So... Difficult. Where does that leave me? Somewhere in the middle. I think somewhere in the middle. Ugh. I, I hope. I want to make it to you. 75. Why? <laughs> because that seems like the perfect age. You're still like 75 is still pretty young. I yeah, I know. I think I'm shooting 85. low. I'm setting the bar low. I'm You're surprised still, you like, didn't able say 69. To do things. Well, I mean, I need to make it past 69 so I can <laughs> tell everyone that I did. <laughs> You're 69 still like is going to be your year. Mobile and, <laughs> and virile in your mid-70s. But yeah. then you can travel. Can, you can travel, but things can mm. drop off that cliff pretty quick once you enter into the 80s category. This is making me sad, so I'm going to move on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mortality is sad. Ugh. 
We can also determine uh, your level of thrill-seeking behavior. Certain Zero. versions of a gene on the X chromosome that codes for the monoamine oxidase enzyme, or MAO, are associated with the sensation-seeking and impulsive tendencies. So that's why I hate roller coasters so much and rides. Uh, yeah. It's in my DNA. It. Corey was yeah. like, he was, we were talking about what he was going to get me for Christmas. And he was he like. He me last night. I know what he's getting you for Christmas. It's well, me. he he alluded that it was going to be an activity, that one of the gifts was an activity. And I was like, I don't ever want to go skydiving, bungee jumping. I did the hot air balloon. That's nice because it's very slow moving. Mm -hmm. Anything fast, skiing, no. I don't like speed. No desire. No desire. Speed and heights. I like skiing, but I don't feel any need to push myself. Like, just give me like a nice, gentle slope. You're not going to you know, bomb down the hill. Yeah, I don't need I don't need to get to the next level. I don't need to do a black diamond. I need to like have a nice day out, mm-hmm. get some rosy cheeks, have Spend some cocoa and a hot tub. 58% of it in the lodge. Yeah. That's and go down the hill four or five times maximum. Yeah. Max. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't have time for any more than that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> also, my ass gets super sore mm-hmm. from skiing. Mm-hmm. One day, You're honestly. like crouching all day. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's not for me. Movement is not for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, can also determine propensity for diseases like Huntington's, breast cancer, cystic fibrosis, or certain forms of bowel cancer. So I thought it was kind of interesting that it, at this point, we can't test and determine like a lot of disease mm-hmm. propensities mm-hmm. from your DNA. But I mean, Huntington's, holy shit. I suppose if there was one disease that I'm aware of, it would be Huntington's that I would want to know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there are there are a lot. There are some that we probably haven't even heard of. I was diagnosed with diabetes through genetic testing. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. So they caught so they, it before I had any symptoms. My mom yeah. was taking my dad to like an eye appointment. He had to get like his eyes dilated or something so he couldn't drive. And there was a pamphlet because it was at like Fairview at the U of M. And being like, do you have, you know, children of diabetic parents, blah, 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 enter into this study. So my sister and I went into this study and it like tested for all these different like genetic components, mostly an antibody that indicates whether or not you're like a carrier of diabetes. And I had the antibody and Ashley didn't. So I stayed in the study and I just had glucose tolerance testing like every six months until my blood sugar elevated and they put me on insulin. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good that you, they were able to preempt it. I mean, yeah. you still before have you get really fucking sick from like, it, right? Because yeah. yeah, having it go untreated for a long time can really suck. But with Scott, he developed symptoms, right? Oh yeah, he doesn't have a parent that has it. Mm-hmm. Okay, DNA can also help us solve ancient mysteries. My favorite. Ooh. This is from ancient CNN. Ancient aliens. <laughs> aliens. The best show. Um, No one knew where Richard III, one of the most famous kings of England, was buried until his remains were discovered in a parking lot in Leicester. Just like sitting in an old Toyota Camry or like (laughs) under the ground. They were under. They were underneath the parking (laughs) lot. So they weren't in a parking lot. They were under a parking lot. Yeah. Yeah. Get it right, CNN. Okay. (laughs) The remains showed evidence of battle wounds and scoliosis, but scientists weren't sure the skeleton was Richard III's until DNA extracted from the bones was matched to a guy named Michael Ibsen, who was known to be a direct descendant of the king's sister. Oh, cool. That's some Golden State killer shit. So Familial I think, DNA. 
I feel like this happened relatively recently, and I yeah. think that they were digging up the parking lot to like mm. rebuild a mall, redo yeah. it on yeah. top yeah. of Richard. They III. paved <laughs> paradise to put it a parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> they paved Richard the Third pa- to put paved up a, a hunchback evil king <laughs> to put up a parking lot. Yep. Yeah, he was bad. Mm-hmm. This wow. wasn't. This wasn't the what, first. Like a perfectly disrespectful, awful legacy for such a monster of a person. Imagine if he was haunting that parking lot. Just found hundreds <laughs> well, of years England later like, under a parking lot, not that big, and it's got a lot of history. <laughs> so, like, it's probably every true of lot everything. Has a sinister yeah. ex ruler under it, possibly. <laughs> well, we can only hope. That all, one day all of us will be buried under a parking lot. I want to be found under a parking lot at some point. That My would remains. be really on brand for you. It really mm-hmm. would. <laughs> I request that church parking lot in Excelsior that I used to sneak out to have sex with my high school oh, yeah. boyfriends in. I feel like you have a, oh, I know that parking lot. I feel like you have a <laughs> solid 40% chance of being buried under a parking lot. I think so, too, especially yeah. if I craft a line about this in my will. Yeah. yeah. Vegas odds. Tip the scales. So this wasn't the first time ancient remains have been identified using DNA. If it's stored in a cold, dry, dark place, DNA DNA can last for thousands of years. So can your wine. So make sure that you are storing it properly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Out of direct sunlight, mm-hmm. 52 degrees. In 2009, a DNA analysis of some bone fragments showed two of Tsar Nicholas II's children were killed alongside the rest of the family during the Russian Revolution, despite speculation that they could have escaped. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. yeah. Scientists have <laughs> even extracted DNA from Neanderthals who went, ex- who went extinct about 30,000 years ago in hopes of gaining insight into the evolution of humans. Cool. That is so gnarly to me. Mm-hmm. So when establishing a binary gender, all an investigator needs to do is to look at one pair of chromosomes as opposed to a full DNA sequence. Again, this is oversimplification, especially if the if this per, if the individual it happens to be intersex mm-hmm. or trans, as opposed to a full DNA sequence. When looking for other characteristics, a sequence is required, so a technician will snip up the DNA using enzymes called restriction endonucleases, which cut the DNA only when they come across a specific sequence. So you can like this, this, uh, it's like a control F. Yeah. I just, I yeah, don't it is like a control F how they mm-hmm. figured this out. I'll never be able to wrap my head around. I, Science yeah, is that's amazing what I don't understand and ridiculous. It's like, that's what always stopped me. It's like, okay, I like, great. This all like kind of makes sense and you can memorize it and whatever and you can have questions, but like nuts and bolts, like, yeah, how did you even get this far? Right. I don't understand. My brain stops at like, okay, there's a lens that magnifies things and you can see tiny things. (laughs) That's it. Yep. What did you get on that bio test? (laughs) How did you pass that bio test? Speaking of how. Speaking of things I'll never understand. (laughs) I can tell you exactly how I passed bio. Cheating and absolutely charming my teachers Mm -hmm. into raising my grade in increments so that Mm -hmm. I could graduate. Yep. Mm -hmm. 
That's boom. Stu- Notice studying was not mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, these enzymes just like seek out specific patterns in all of that DNA, and they're like, oh. Here's a little redhead, 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 redhead. Put them mm-hmm. all together. This person has, you know, 42 points towards redhead. And then our, uh, you know, the suspect's DNA that we found at the scene of the crime, they only have 22 blah, blah, blah of redhead or so whatever the specific characteristic is. So that's not a match. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, if everyone's DNA were the same, then the pieces left over after this frenzy of molecular slicing would all be the same length. But there are repeated sections of DNA uh, that vary considerably between individuals. So that means that the lengths of my cut fragments are unlikely to be the same as your cut fragments because we have a different number of repeats. So that's how they determine one individual from another. And those repeats are what develop like our traits, like our blue eyes or our blonde hair, etc. Yep, exactly. Got it. All right, I could have passed that one question on a bio test. <laughs> I studied that for one second. If Miss Walker is listening to this, she... Mr. Hessian. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry, Mr. Hessian. We Ooh. were not kind to you, Mr. Hessian. I liked him. Okay. By combining several of these variable locations in the genome, scientists can say with very high confidence that a match between a DNA profile found at a crime scene and the profile of a suspect are not the same simply by chance. The probability of two unrelated people having the same profile uh, coincidentally depends on how many variable DNA regions you use, but it is typically one in several billion. Yeah. So just not possible, really. But in my case, what... And obviously I'll get to it where the issue lies is that in a lot of crime scenes, you get partial matches mm. because you don't have enough DNA from, say, the suspect to, do a full to put together a full spectrum. Yep. And so that's where you can get into some very, mm. very murky water with pointing fingers at people because those mm. partial matches are not are not solid science. They're not mm-hmm. solid mm-hmm. evidence. I mean, mm-hmm. 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 Not um, good. Here's a quick fun fact for you. National DNA Day is April 25th, marking the anniversary of both the discovery of the double helix as well as the completion of the Human Genome Project, which I started looking at that and it just it's blew my fucking mind. So I couldn't, mm-hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the future of DNA technology, the possibilities are endless. We already know that DNA can be a predictor of the future, so in the near future, we should be able to affordably screen things like non-invasive prenatal testing and develop personalized medicine for optimal therapy. Mm-hmm. Cancer research will be at the forefront of DNA testing since we already know that there are the, at least those two forms of cancer we can are predictable are predictable somewhat. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the capture of Joseph D'Angelo, Golden State Killer, Mm -hmm. thanks to a genetic testing kit, has proven its forensic worth already. And we're sure to see more advances in that arena in the coming years as well. Also, litigation surrounding that, I feel. Mm -hmm. It's going to be messy. Mm -hmm. This is why it's also so important when you do get, do your own familial DNA and do things like 23andMe, Mm -hmm. that you also allow for that information to be be shared. shared. Well, I think that's a personal decision. I think so, too, but I think it's important to do it. Yeah. I think I would do it. Yeah. 
Obviously, yeah. ev- it's, you know, c- consent is key, but mm-hmm. I think it's so important because then that's exactly how the Golden State Killer got mm-hmm. found. Mm-hmm. And there are so many cold cases from times before DNA was really well understood mm-hmm. that could be solved if mm-hmm. more people were willing to share that information. But yes, I do understand, but like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do see people like the my hesitancy is just giving police who we know mm-hmm. are, you know, fallible fellow human beings mm-hmm. all kinds of information. And, I feel and like I already like do that. that by having an iPhone, so like right. how could it get worse? Right. <laughs> I have Facebook and an iPhone. They yeah. already know everything about me, I think, except where my double helix lengths are. <laughs> I think well, that's where I ultimately that. come down. But yeah, I can just see people being like, mm, no, I'm right. the line there. I think it depends also. I mean, clearly a personal choice. I um, A lot of when I was doing this research, um, a couple of different like forums about genetic testing, like the 23andMe uh, I saw a lot of questions posed from trans or intersex people who mm-hmm. were like, well, you know, my gender doesn't come down to XX or XY. Like, right. what mm-hmm. if I want to have all this information about my extended family, but I don't want to share my information with them mm-hmm. So say you're trans and you don't want to be like, I was born a male, you know, like, yeah, it's just it. Everybody has a different prerogative. So. Yeah, I, th- I think it's really cool that we are able to do this. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as like... I respect the choice. That's totally mm-hmm. fair. It's a it, I should rephrase that. It's important to me mm-hmm. that... And I have a DNA kit that I just haven't done yet. Same, yeah. And I plan on doing it. Bill and I both have them. I want to do them like around Christmas. Mm-hmm. And I also want to have the conversation with him that's like, hey, we should... Sh- if like we're both comfortable doing this, we should share this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be different I for also... Everyone. Because I because I know that I'm the secret love child, mm-hmm. <laughs> lucky. Um, That's so unfair. Some dude um, <laughs> who has legitimate children out there. Uh-huh. For a long time, I was like, I don't want to fuck up their thing. They're all adults. Fuck them up. If they're I all ran adults, my dad's blow his email. shit up. After the so Ashley now, Madison hack, I ran I'm my at. dad's email through Ash- the Ashley Madison hack. My sister and I were like, all right, he's dead. Let's see if he had any affairs. No <laughs> hits. None. That's there really is, disappointing. There is no, like, he's a loyal man. scintillating hot tea in my immediate family. No. It is so boring and It's all out there. Your family has no shame. No <laughs> affairs. No shame. Mm-hmm. So fucking loyal. Their marriage was super solid. It's really annoying. And I, <laughs> I vote for Such Kenyan a great to, example for a partnership. I am so annoyed. <laughs> I vote for Kenyon to blackmail the shit out of her sperm donor. Well, now it's too late because I finally in the last year was like, you know what? Fuck this dude. Yeah. And uh, added what I know of his name and his yeah, side to, to my ancestry.com. <laughs> so it's only a matter of time. It's only have a matter of time. Have you checked your inbox recently? No, I have not. Check your Maybe spam. log in during the, the Check ad break. Your spam. Mm-hmm. Okay, last little tidbit I'm going to say. The, um, also, the testing does go beyond human subjects. As we said, DNA is present in all 
living organisms. Carbon-based life forms, yeah. So we can learn more about animal and plant evolution and expression as well. I'm sure that will eventually be used in like growing food to solve world hunger, etc. And like it already is becoming more useful. I'm excited for like a- like animal meat, like plant, you know, like f- beyond like burgers meat. and shit. It's not even just plant based. It's just like you're creating beef. Yeah, I think there's a lot of like killing a cat. You know what I mean? There's a lot of pushback about like not buying non GMO. And I do understand the like knee jerk fear about genetically modified you know food products and also being careful of like how that process is going and how that could alter the you know the the foundation of the food into a potentially problematic or unhealthy thing to consume however it is very important technology to explore for exactly the reason that lucy just said about like make our food the way that we grow food right now is not sustainable because of the way that we like plow through water and how mm-hmm. we're developing land and how we're like fucking tapping for oil and like building oil pipelines and all of this shit that we're going to need to have some kind of concise plan for like small footprint farming with genetically modified plant and possibly animal matter that right. produces more without having to use more and potentially can resources. avoid other problematic things like certain pesticides mm-hmm. and yeah, exactly. Like so before inefficient you're like, water use and non-GMO everything. It's like, okay, I understand being critical of these practices, but also that this could be the very technology that mm-hmm. like allows that saves the planet. So yeah. there's and you it's know, kind it's of complex. just an extension of of human farming, the evolution mm-hmm. of like human farming techniques for thousands of years Mm -hmm. you know like we've always been tweaking right how we do it our crops i think the ethic the ethics behind like gmo and adjacent uh practices are within the that's about the process and not necessarily the practice right you know what i mean well yeah yeah, i just think like we need to empower the fda to like actually have yeah. the budget and resources to like actually monitor mm-hmm. practices to make sure that they are safe and if that is happening if there's actual regulations in place then I don't have a problem with it if I can trust that things are being well regulated mm-hmm. cuz yeah I I also grapple with the ethics of like genetically modifying a fucking chicken to the that, point where it has like a horrific yeah. life just to get extremely fat and feed extra people like to make I, an extra 80 cents yeah. off of one chicken like i yeah. get that and chicken as a meat is also one of already one of the most sustainable and like lowest water uh sucking meat mm-hmm. products so like chicken is is a good protein but Versus like i get beef, the yeah. ethics of that shit I totally yeah, get it. When you're modifying an animal, mm-hmm. I have more of a problem with that than icky, plants. But if it's like a tomato, if you're like, look, we grew this tomato, it's tastier, it's bigger, it doesn't need pesticides, and it uses less water or whatever, great. Fucking dope. Mm-hmm. Totally. I saw once where they were able to modify, I think it was tomatoes or some some fruit or vegetable, instead of being round, they modified them so they were square so they could fit more in a Shit. box. Yeah. So it saved them on shipping and also, you know, theoretically like carbon footprint. Because yeah, that's, that's a little odd in there. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. 
All right. I think we've gotten way off topic. I got to go it's... Google Square pota- uh, Potatoes. Tomatoes. <laughs> and potatoes. I got to fix my camera. So we'll see a word from our sponsor. Let's <laughs> do it. <laughs> Square Tomatoes. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. I'm normally not a vitamin person, but I love Care Of, their little packs. It's so easy. They're also super high quality. And again, they're personalized. All of Care Of's products are formulated with good for you, clean ingredients that are backed by science. There's proof. Mm-hmm. And you know we love a good quiz. And Care Of's in-depth five-minute online quiz asks you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, health concerns. It gets really in-depth um, mm-hmm. and is still, like, fun to take somehow. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Doesn't it feel so invasive. Right. But it's in-depth <laughs> and it's, like, thoughtful. It's well thought out. It's not just mm-hmm. the basics. They, like, get in there. And Mm -hmm. it helps you address your specific wellness goals. So, like, for example, probably TMI, but, um, you know, if you have, like, urinary tract concerns. You have bright green urine, (laughs) like Kenyon does. Neon green urine. (laughs) If your nails are brittle to the point of embarrassment. Yeah. If your skin and hair are Falling out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, they, it's just like, you know what? That is a health concern of mine, and I do want to address it. Great. Awesome. I do need to soak myself in biotin every day. <laughs> and uh, especially now, as the seasons change, it's important to get ahead of taking care of your immune health. That is so key. Mm-hmm. So it's one of the reasons why I love Care Of, and I just feel so good taking my little vitamin pack every day and feel like I'm, I'm doing the right thing for my body and my health. It's easy peasy. And for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com forward slash gals50 and enter code gals50. Again, that's for 50% off your first care of order. Go to takecareof.com forward slash gals50 and enter code gals50 and treat your wellness. You know, it's really not that easy to find a good bra, especially Mm -hmm. because... I refuse to try on bras like in a store. So all of my bra Mm. shopping is done online and Mm. it's not that easy. It's just, it's kind of a kiss. A lot of frog bras before you you find your bra prints. (laughs) A lot of toys. That was until I discovered third love. Third love is designed for your perfect fit. They use the measurements of millions of people with boobs to design mm-hmm. bras with all-day comfort and support. They've got a perfect fit promise. They stand behind their products. If you don't love it, exchanges and returns are free for 60 days. And also, I've got no shame anymore at this point. My boobs are two completely different sizes, people. They're like, they're from two different people. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> These two have seen them with their own eyeballs, and it's yes. dramatic. It's extreme. And Third Love is the only bra that I've found that actually, like, fits. Accommodates that. It yeah. accommodates right. that. So I will be forever indebted to Third Love for accommodating my gals. Customer for life. <laughs> and if you're new to like the online bra buying process, Third Love has this amazing fit finder quiz. Mm-hmm. 
Because I also, I don't love trying on a bra in the store, but I'm also wary to buy a bra online without trying it on. So if you're not sure about your size, you can take Third Love's online Fit Finder quiz to find the size and styles that are right for you. So they ask you questions like, what do you do with the most? Like strap slippage or your cups runneth over or mm-hmm. gaps in your cups. Things or like one that. of each. Or all of the above. Yeah, I'm a I'm a gaps and then also a cups runneth over gal. So I know that I need half sizes. I'm like basically a D. But I didn't know any of this until I took the quiz. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners 10% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash gals, G-A-L-S, now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 10% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash gals for 10% off today. Treat yo gals. Trade them. My case is one where DNA was relied upon too heavily. Mm-hmm. Around midnight on the evening of November 29th, 2012, 66-year-old Ravish Kumra was at home watching CNN with his ex-wife, Harinder. Well, his ex-wife was up asleep upstairs. Mm-hmm. Ravish and Harinder had divorced two years prior after 30 years of marriage, but they chose to remain living together, and it was an arrangement that worked well for them. Didn't hurt that the home that they were sharing was a 7,000-square-foot mansion. So you can easily <laughs> stay away from yeah. each other. <laughs> I'll Got be in it. the East Wing. Yeah. yeah. So I think they just were wealthy. They'd been married for 30 years, and they, like, didn't want to fuck up their finances, and they were like, whatever, we'll just... Whatever. Yeah. Their house was located in the wealthy enclave of Monte Sereno, about 10 miles outside of downtown San Jose, California. Ravish, a wealthy businessman, was friendly and outgoing with the neighbors and considered to be sort of an unofficial mayor of the town. So everybody liked him. He was really, you know, man about town. Convivial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on November 29th, like I said, 2012, that night... A group of men broke into the home, tied up Ravish, who was downstairs watching TV, and covered his mouth with duct tape. Mm. And oddly, the duct tape used wasn't just like plain normal duct tape. It had like a repeating mustache print on it. (laughs) It was like novelty duct tape. I got so much novelty duct tape from (laughs) Bill's grandma last Christmas. We went to her house for uh, like a sort of middle of the road Thanksgiving ish Mm -hmm. Christmas dinner. And she had all of these. uh, It was basically like a grab bag hodgepodge Mm -hmm. of stocking stuffers that were just there for the taking. Mm -hmm. And Bill like hoarded all of this duct tape that has like puppies and kittens on it. Got me a steering wheel cover that is actually super clutch in the winter, I will Uh say. So thank Uh you. (laughs) But yeah, a lot of pens attached to keychain rings. Well, there you go. You can commit a home invasion and use your novelty puppies and kittens duct tape. This is a thousand percent the duct tape I would use were (laughs) I to tape up a person in a violent way. (laughs) In a violent way or a sexual way. Look at the puppies. 
So remember, this is a true crime podcast, right. and my cases are dark. Right. So duct tape, funny, funny, back to dark. Mm-hmm. The intruders then went upstairs and dragged Harinder from her bed, bringing her downstairs and like sit beside Ravish. They tied her up and blindfolded her, and then they ransacked the home in search of jewelry and cash. So they didn't beat either of them. They weren't like, I mean, it's a home invasion and very awful and startling, but they weren't like physically attacking either of them. After the burglars left, Harinder managed to get free from her bindings and made her way to the kitchen phone and dialed 911, Queen. But by the time the police arrived, Ravish was already dead. He had been presumably inadvertently suffocated by the mustachioed duct tape. Oh, no. So, like, they hadn't meant to kill him, but they just duct taped him so quickly. Yes. So the case was an obvious burglary gone horribly wrong. Ravish did not appear to have been targeted for murder. Um, and and items of high value were stolen from the home. So this sounds kind of morbid, but also like totally something that I would do. When I was younger, I would practice. I would I would just presume that at some point I would be duck bound and duct taped. Of course. So I would practice getting duct tape off my mouth without using my hands or just tape like masking tape. Like how? Just... Move your lips, and then I'd also stick my tongue out really hard and try to get it out. Well, and moistening it would help, too. Spit A lot of spit, Uh a lot of jaw, tongue, lip Mm -hmm. movement. Good practice. I was also eight. I'd be so good at this. I was also eight. (laughs) (laughs) So you've always been exactly who you are. I'm a predictable individual. My uncle taught my little cousin... My little cousin, he's like less than a year younger than me, taught my cousin how to escape from a locked car trunk. Like without what without that emergency handle? I don't yeah, I don't know. My wow. aunt came home one day and she was like, Where's Jake? And he was like, I'm in here, like in the trunk. And was like mid learning how to like get out of the car trunk. Oh geez. Having I the best want time. Your uncle to be my uncle. <laughs> He has a very special set of skills. Yeah. Okay. So the fact that Ravish, the Kumras were not targeted for murder, they were just targeted for their wealth, for their money, made the work of investigators a bit harder because it was a somewhat random crime. You know, it was like, okay, well, somebody wanted jewelry and cash, so they went to like a big fancy house. Right. But we can't just, like, investigate people that they knew, necessarily. So there weren't a bunch of initial leads. But just three and a half weeks later, police had a suspect in custody. Mm. 26-year-old Lucas Anderson was homeless at the time of the murder. And he is a black man. Mm -hmm. He typically spent his days asking for change in downtown San Jose, and before just being suddenly arrested for the murder of Ravish Kumra. So he was just okay. like out of what? nowhere the cops were like, "Here's a black homeless man. Let's let's get him." Well, the coroner had found DNA 
under Ravish's fingernails, and investigators surmised, pretty logically, that it had to be from one of the men who had broken into the house and with whom Ravish must have struggled while Mm -hmm. they were trying to tie him up. Because if you find third-party DNA under someone's fingernails, you're going to assume that it could be from a struggle. They could be the suspect. Actually, three third-party DNA samples were discovered at the crime scene, although mostly the physical evidence was very scant. So they found like just these three other profiles that were not Ravish or Harinder, but there wasn't a ton of physical evidence. And presumably those profiles were incomplete just yes. little little bits well i don't know about that for sure but it seemed like yes they were small amounts partial. i i don't know if they were partial or complete profiles okay. it sounds like under the fingernails they were able to say it this is lucas anderson conclusively okay after but it wasn't like there were fingerprints everywhere you know there wasn't the people who had done this burglary had been fairly smart about it. So after searching the home, investigators concluded that the perpetrators must have been somewhat forensically aware. Mm-hmm. So they had worn latex gloves while tying up Ravish and Harinder and ransacking the house. And then those gloves were found in the kitchen sink covered with soapy water mm. as if someone had made an effort to wash the DNA evidence off of them. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like is like somewhat smart, but wouldn't it be smarter to take them go with somewhere you else and, and throw like them away? Burn them? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because then they even if they just have the gloves, they can tell like who the manufacturer was, where they mm-hmm. sold them, right? The right. size, mm-hmm. right? I also don't know for sure, but I think two pairs of gloves were found. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that would with three. DNA profiles it in at the crime scene, including one under the fingernails. So there are okay. multiple intruders. Definitely at least two. Mm-hmm. The crime lab ran countless tests on the evidence collected from the scene. Most only revealed DNA profiles matching those of Ravish and Harinder, because it's their home. But again, three unknown profiles also turned up. Aside from Lucas's DNA under Ravish's fingernails, DNA found on the washed gloves, so they were still able to get DNA from the gloves, matched 21-year-old Javier Garcia, and DNA on the duct tape matched 22-year-old D'Angelo Austin. Do you know if they just ran the DNA through, like, CODIS and figured out, well, CODIS is, isn't that the fingerprints? Yeah. No, CODIS, so. CODIS can be DNA. DNA. Yeah. Did they just run it through some sort of database or did they have these suspects take their samples and then compare them? No, they they just ran the DNA and found the suspects. Gotcha. DNA led to suspects. I'm pretty sure these suspects all had priors. So that's why their DNA was on file in the police system. Gotcha. Lucas's DNA was not found on the gloves or the duct tape. His DNA was found under the fingernails. Okay. It quickly became clear that there was additional evidence tying both Garcia and Austin to the crime. Both of their cell phone records showed that they had been in the vicinity of the home on the night in question. Garcia and Austin also knew each other. They were like known contacts to one another. 
And Austin, in particular, had known ties with a gang that had committed a series of home invasions in the past. Then the other shoe dropped when it was discovered that Ravish had several involvements with sex workers. Uh, One of his most longstanding connections was with a 32-year-old woman named Karina Fitz, whom he'd been involved with for 12 years by the time of his murder. So so he was like a regular of uh, this particular sex worker. And most damningly, Karina Fitz is D'Angelo Austin's older sister. Oh. And she would eventually admit to police that she'd told her brother about Ravish's lavish home. So she was a regular, he was a regular client of hers. He lived in a nice home. Her brother was involved in burglaries and home invasions. And she let slip that one of her clients had a lot of money in this big home and what the address was. Tying Lucas Anderson to the crime beyond the DNA under the fingernails, however, proved to be much more difficult. So they had they had the two other guys and they were like, okay, this kind of makes sense how this they would have been connected. But this Lucas Anderson guy not seeing the immediate connection. He was homeless again, didn't have a cell phone. So his whereabouts on the night couldn't really be checked that way. And he had no known connections to gangs or to the other two suspects. Okay. But he This is did- not adding up. Well, it's it's you know, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence, mm-hmm. you know, like they can't disprove it yet, but it's not as neat and, you know, cut and dried as the other two. Mm-hmm. He did have a previous felony conviction for home burglary though. So they were like, okay, he's done it before, so like keep him keep him in the mix. And eventually, the lead investigator on the case, a man named Aaron Lunsford, came to believe that he'd found a connection between Lucas and the other two men, but it was very tenuous. So a year earlier, Lucas had been locked up for a parole violation in the same jail as another man. Sorry, lots of names. Lots of men. Yeah, I'm like, Jiminy men. Like that meme where the lady, the, the, the blonde lady is like, Looking at all the math equations just floating around in front of her. just like. I know. Okay. I'm trying to. Yeah. I'm really. Yeah. So he was. He's locked up in the same jail as another dude. You don't need to know his name. Who happened to be a friend of Austin's. One of the other suspects. So that's a very tenuous thing. Being like, well, this guy knew another guy who knew this guy. Right. Mm -hmm. That guy, the middleman jail guy was now out on parole wearing an ankle monitor. And it showed that he, two days before the murder, had been in downtown San Jose, where Lucas Anderson, as a homeless person, was spending most of his time. Lunsford, the investigator, came to believe that this guy was a middleman in setting up the burglary. So the other two suspects who were buddies had gone to middleman guy and been like, we need a third. Can you find us somebody? And middleman guy was like, yeah, I know this dude. He's homeless, but he can help you out in this home invasion. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's tenuous and it's only a theory, but there's there's something. There's, you know, there's this theory that he recruited his old jailhouse buddy 
who was experienced in home invasions Mm -hmm. to help them out on this job. Mm -hmm. Theoretically possible, but not necessarily provable. Still, the investigator felt confident in his theory, but people who knew Lucas didn't believe him capable of such a crime. So they were like looking into Lucas and they're like, no, really. There's no way. He's, he couldn't have done this. So Lucas was a known entity in downtown San Jose. He was just known as like a, for lack of a better term, like fall down drunk, really, really struggled with addiction, like was not a very functioning alcoholic. But essentially harmless, Mm -hmm. probably because he, you know, partially because he was so addicted to alcohol, he couldn't really function. Mm -hmm. It's a vicious cycle. So Lucas was known to have a good sense of humor. Several shopkeepers and residents in the area made a point of like looking out for him and like helping him when they could because nobody was afraid of him. He did have a long rap sheet. But it was pretty much exclusively for crimes like public intoxication. Mm -hmm. Racist bullshit. Mm -hmm. And the residential burglary conviction that we, the the prior for home invasion that we had talked about, that's what the investigator's case kind of hinged on. But then when they examined that exact conviction more closely, it was found to be a lot less sinister than, than it sounds. So... According to the police report of the incident, Lucas had drunkenly broken a window of a house and tried to crawl inside, possibly to, like, keep warm. Yep. Yeah. I can name, like, six white dude friends from college who did mm-hmm. exactly that thing. on a drunken night trying to wander home, uh-huh. wandering into the wrong house. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. A family had been in the room at the time and just pushed him back out the window with blankets. Mm-hmm. And like, he, nope. was, he was so drunk that it wasn't like he was like, oh, I'm caught, I better flee. He was right. so drunk that he like didn't even know that he was like being... That they probably didn't even hardly feel that threatened. It's just like, right. dude, here's some blankets. Get out of here. Right, <laughs> exactly. They called the police and the police found him dazed and bleeding right outside the window mm-hmm. of the house. He was just too drunk to do anything that. And they're counting yeah. that as a home invasion. That's he got bullshit. convicted for home invasion. At the very worst, it's like a drunken disorderly. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ridiculous. So uh, this was obviously not an elaborately planned fucking heist. No. This was a drunken and disorderly mishap. And if the two other dudes who did plan and execute this heist, if I were them, I wouldn't want to work with a fucking drunk that's probably going to fuck it up for everyone either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you're calculated enough to try and, like, wear gloves and be very clean with the DNA and not be detectable. And break into, like, a mansion, presumably, a mansion, with security. Yeah, you probably want to tap into a little bit more of a consistent and reliable... Yeah. (laughs) Co-conspirator? Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is not... Yeah. This. Yeah. So, okay. So the investigator, like, thinks he's, like, found this connection, although it's tenuous, then does more research, realizes that, like, maybe Lucas Anderson isn't, you know, the perfect co-conspirator for these other two guys who are definitely involved. But we still got that DNA from Lucas Mm -hmm. under the fingernails of the victim. Mm Mm-hmm. How the heck? Yeah. And 
Maybe then, he just gave him a really aggressive back scratch. <laughs> well, Lucy solved it. Case closed. It's just as reasonable as the detectives. <laughs> Weird little red string theory. Yeah, it's true. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you need to do less. <laughs> less is sometimes more. Uh then further complicating matters, uh, poor Lucas Anderson himself was so, like, addled that he came to believe that he might have committed the murder. Oh. Because he couldn't, his heavy drinking yeah. led him to black out. He didn't often. remember that he didn't do it. Right. Right. Poor guy. And so, although I mean, unless he, he did it. <laughs> he didn't believe himself capable of doing something so violent, but he also had no memory of the night in question. Also, who has a memory of the night in question when it's been three and a half weeks and your life is that disordered? I can't even remember three and a half weeks ago. No. Granted, we are living through COVID, but also every day is the same. The same. (laughs) Right. Right. So Lucas told his lawyer, quote, no, 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 I don't do things like that. And his lawyer is a public defender named Kelly Kupik. Kupchik, I don't know, Kupik, I think. So he's like, no, 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 I don't do things like that. And then there was a pause, and then he said, but maybe I did. Oh. And after hearing this from her client, the defender was like, keep your mouth shut. Yeah, and the prosecution (laughs) is like, I'm going to exploit that opening as hard as I possibly can. So she's like, "Mm mm-mm. You don't even know beyond a reasonable doubt that you didn't do this. Right, exactly. So she knew things were not looking good for Lucas, for her client. Then this queen, public defender, made a discovery. She pulled all of Lucas's medical records, believing there might be something in there related to his mental health that would at least allow her to argue for leniency. So she even she thought that this was like not going to get him out of this. But she was hoping to like be able to avoid the death penalty for him. Mm-hmm. And what she discovered was that Lucas's drinking had made him a regular at local hospitals. <gasps> oh. And his most recent hospitalization had been on the evening of November 29th. Hi, alibi. Hello. Important. That evening, Lucas drank the equivalent of 21 beers and spent the entire night detoxing before being released the following morning. So the whole night he was documented to have been in this hospital. Which is like the ultimate alibi. I mean, mm-hmm. it's not fun spending a night in the hospital, but like like you said, it's so Who's going to lie and cover up for you? Well, right. It's <laughs> right. so rigorously documented mm-hmm. and they don't have any stakes in lying for this right. stranger that just was brought into the ER. Right. That like you really can't get much better than like that. Right. Also, just the mere thought of 21 beers makes me have to pee so bad. I, yeah, I don't even know how you could, like, consume that much without just peeing yourself to death. Mm -hmm. I'd pee myself to death. Yeah. Rather than immediate relief, however, this public defender, Kupik, felt shocked. She remembers thinking, quote, to know that you have a factually innocent client sitting in jail facing the Mm -hmm. death penalty is really scary because you really don't want to screw up. You know, like, she's like, okay, this is it. This is the, like, non-smoking gun. I don't even know what that analogy is. The frigid 
Got the, the frigid fork. <laughs> the frigid fork is the opposite of a smoking gun. Okay. Okay. <laughs> the neither frozen of, flower. Neither of those are opposites. The of frozen flower. The frozen flower. Frozen <laughs> is not even a direct opposite of smoking. What's the I opposite mean, of smoking? Non-smoking. I think of it as like smoldering. Like it's a smoking the gun because it's so hot. flammable shield. I think frozen flower works. <laughs> Let's let's let the on. listeners decide. I'm posting a Twitter poll Ew. the day this comes out. So, yep, Kelly a chili oh. lamb. <laughs> That's your submission. Yes, a chili Love lamb. It. I like that. <laughs> so Kelly was like, "Okay, I have this, but like, I still need to back it up because, like, God forbid, any it gets thrown out or whatever." She's like, "I really need to like right. reinforce this alibi." Well, we know how the justice system works, especially against a black man. So it's mm-hmm. like, I need more than just the smoking gun in my case. A mm-hmm. broke black man. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So she worked on retracing his steps that day and speaking to everyone who had seen him that day. She discovered that the people who had called 911 on Lucas, the, different people had called 911 on Lucas twice that evening because he was had Clearly been drinking so much. He yeah. should go to the hospital. <clears throat> so one call was made at 7.54 p.m. for panhandling in front of a 7-Eleven. And once around 10.15 p.m. for drunkenly collapsing in an aisle at the grocery store. This is where I really wish every everywhere had the means to call an ambulance without having to call the fucking police. Mm -hmm. Right. It's some some places do have like private ambulance services that you can call. But Minneapolis does not have that. And it is so fucking frustrating to try and get just medical attention for somebody especially a person of color because the dispatcher asks you those details and then they always send a cop right and people die and people die people get punished instead of help instead of helped yeah yes it's anyway yeah it's very frustrating so this second call was the call that resulted in his hospitalization so he was admitted at 10 45 p.m and was at the hospital throughout the night. But obviously he still had this alibi from 7.54 p.m. until arriving at the hospital. Mm -hmm. Despite the DNA evidence under Ravish's fingernails, there was no possible way that Lucas could have been in the house on the night of the murder. Back Mm -hmm. scratch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Kupik, the the, uh, defender, set up a meeting with the district attorney's office who launched an investigation into the lab that had tested the DNA to see oh. if there could have been some kind of cross-contamination mm-hmm. through improper use of tools. Mm-hmm. Perhaps Lucas's DNA had shown up in another case and that was recently handled by the lab. You know, they're trying to, like, figure this out. But they found no evidence of any such errors. Police began to consider the possibility that, unlikely as it may have been, Lucas must have crossed paths with Ravish at some point in the days leading up to the murder, possibly at a back-scratching convention. Uh (laughs) (laughs) They are very popular in whatever this area is that I can't remember because so many names have been thrown out since the beginning of this case. Got it. Cool. San Jose, I'd go to a fucking back-scratching convention. Are you kidding (laughs) And so the somehow Lucas's DNA must have transferred to Ravish mm-hmm. somehow. According to an article in Wired about Lucas's case, 
Statistically, one in five people are walking around at any given moment with someone else's DNA under their fingernails, like somebody's DNA that they they don't know that person. They've never like actually interacted with that person, but they've got their DNA under their fingernails. Wow, weird. Mm-hmm. Which like is I DNA like don't have fingernails, so I'm in the clear. Is DNA like airborne in that way? Well, there's trace. Now there's like epithelial DNA. There's like you can have like trace amounts. Like basically our ability to test for DNA is getting so sensitive that it's picking up such tiny amounts that previously, you know, were just insignificant. Mm -hmm. But But now now we can get like a full fucking profile off of nothing. Right. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. So... Another instance of this, there's a 2011 case in Britain that was found to be similar to Lucas's. So a cab driver was arrested after his DNA was found under the fingernails of a woman who'd been murdered. But the cabbie insisted that he had never seen the woman before and he must have had some kind of other alibi or something because the defense attorney was able to successfully argue that the actual murderer must have taken that cab that day picked up some of the cab driver's DNA and then transferred the cabbie's DNA to the victim. And the jury was Mm. convinced by this and the cabbie was acquitted. Weird. Are you really letting (laughs) Ray chew on this pink pen cap right now? I'm telling you, these pink pens, he just took his entire face in my pen cup looking for a pink pen. So He loves them. You're also wearing... A matching outfit. He likes this too. <laughs> sister, sister. Oh, there wow. were never such devoted cat sisters. <laughs> Lucy's devotion to her cats is alarming. I have to love something. <laughs> True. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay. Okay. You just hate her head on her, <laughs> <laughs> her mic. Okay. That was good. So in Lucas's case, his lawyer noted that traditional police work would never have tied him to the murder. But working backwards from the DNA, police were able to come mm-hmm. up with a convincing story that would have almost definitely led to his conviction if she hadn't discovered this rock solid alibi. Right. And they only give a shit about their fucking stats. Mm-hmm. They just want to close cases in the easiest it. way but fucking also, possible. Like, you almost can't fault the police you know what I mean? Like, I can always fault. They the should police. have looked into the police. Should have looked to see if he had an alibi. Like, and this was what 2009, 2012. So we'll kind of get to it in my case. But since 2005, many, many studies and many, many pushbacks about right. DNA in like this exact right. way have been very much out there, both in and outside of court and in the scientific community. And that should be known in the investigative yeah. community as well. And we we can't just it's not go a silver bullet. DNA smoking gun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So she stated, quote, it wasn't malicious. And I don't think it was malicious. No, it was a yeah. lead. What's it's the system in it in and of itself is malicious where a lead can turn into like you keep saying the silver right. bullet or the smoking right. gun without enough to corroborate right. that lead because that shit's fucking right. lazy. Quote, it was confirmation bias. 
They got the DNA and then they made up a story to fit it. Ultimately, it was actually Aaron Lunsford, the detective who had that tenuous theory, who solved the Mm. mystery of how Lucas's DNA actually ended up at the crime scene. They both had tickets to the back scratching convention. Knew it. (laughs) Knew it. Jealous. No. So the investigator finally was reviewing the medical records when he realized that the names of the paramedics who had taken Lucas to the hospital that night looked familiar. No way. They were the same paramedics who had responded to the crime scene and taken Ravish's vitals before pronouncing him dead. Oh. Ja. (laughs) Fully shit. Right? That transfer of DNA is... Yeah. It's a thing. So the paramedics insisted that they had followed all sanitation protocols. They had changed gloves between patients. So they don't know how this DNA got transferred, but like clearly that is how it got transferred. That's the only connection between Lucas Anderson and the victim. It got under Ravish's fingernails. Holy shit. Nuts, right? Isn't that crazy? I uh, will never trust DNA right? again. I will never trust a DNA sample. Yeah, in it a has setting. to be mm-hmm. corroborated by other stuff. You wow. know, wow, that's fucking wild. Yeah. That's really so. Bonkers. The charges against Lucas were dropped, and the case proceeded against the other two men. So that's that's kind of amazing that mm-hmm. this guy, you know, actually got out of the clutches of the justice system. Especially mm-hmm. after his quote, like, well, maybe I did I do know. it. That's heartbreaking. Right. Yeah. So the defense made an, the other defense, like the defense of the other two suspects, made an attempt to argue that Austin and Garcia's DNA also ended up at the house by accident, but this did not convince anyone. No, that doesn't happen three separate yeah. times. To, as, <laughs> it surely happened Including once. two people yeah, that exactly. knew each other and had a connection to the victim. Right. And, and had didn't pr- have an yeah, alibi exactly. for that night. And, and their cell phones did were it. in the area. And they right. also, like, were home invaders, not just, like... Yeah, professional yeah. home invaders. Yeah. So... Yeah, sorry, no. They, both of the other two men were convicted. Although Lucas's situation is rare, Kupik believes that it made a subtle difference in the perception of the infallibility of DNA evidence. Quote... As defense attorneys, we used to get laughed out of the courtroom in closing arguments if we argued transfer. She says Mm. that it was hocus pocus, that it was made up fiction. But Lucas showed that it's real, like transfer is real. This is actually a terrifying Mm -hmm. acquittal. Yeah. Lucas spent almost six months in jail before the charges Mm -hmm. against him were dropped and before they figured all this out, basically. Sadly, he returned to the streets after he was released and and continues to struggle with his alcohol addiction. Mm -hmm. He has described his situation as, quote, gut-wrenching. And although he did admit to doubts after he was arrested, he has since said that, deep quote, deep down, I knew I didn't do it. Oh. Mm. I know. So that's my case. Fucking wild. Hoping Lucas gets some support. Yeah. That is insane. Yeah. That is one of the wildest cases I think you've ever done, which says a lot. The paramedics twist at the end really got me. Yeah. So that's that's nice. Nice work. Thank you. Our cases are really similar, but not the same. So don't worry. Perfect. Should we hear a word from our sponsors? 
Yeah. Yes, let's. Get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door with HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And I also love that HelloFresh is the first global carbon-neutral meal kit company, so you can eat more sustainably as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't realize they were carbon neutral. That's amazing. Yeah. I love it. And they just keep, you know, the spice alive in our household. They deliver fresh, high quality, pre portioned ingredients so you can make meals that are delicious and nutritious. And like Kenyon said about the sustainability, that pre portioned part is so key because it like vastly reduces food waste, mm-hmm. which I love. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to be creative in the kitchen. <laughs> so I need HelloFresh. And they will also do like 20 minute meals or even one pan meals. So I did the pork and poblano tacos recently. Mm. The cleanup was so easy. It's literally one pan that you make everything in Mm. and then you just dish them up into your little tortillas and you make this like really yummy kiwi salsa and lime crema. So it hit those like sweet savory, which is a touch of spice. That sounds my mouth. I'm drooling (laughs) talking about it. It was so, so good. So go to HelloFresh.com forward slash gals90 and use code gals90 to get $90 off, including free shipping. One more time, go to HelloFresh.com slash G-A-L-S 90 and use the code gals90 to get 90 bucks off, including free shipping. Treat your meals. Treat them. Treat them. Because everyone is different, Noom adjusts to your lifestyle. They teach you the psychology behind the decisions that you make and then help you keep track of everything from workouts and steps to analyzing your diet and recommending healthy recipes. Noom also connects you with a personally assigned goal specialist and a community of other Noomers. So you have all the support you need to empower change no matter what your health goal might be. Exactly. And I don't know about you, but in these times, I am constantly in a food rut. So I love the fact that they just suggest new recipes, new things to try out. I'm also uh, maybe eating a little bit emotionally. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Maybe because I'm bored. Maybe because I'm stressed. Maybe because the sun barely comes up anymore. But but Noom is just a great app. If I'm going to be sitting on the couch looking at my phone anyway, I'd prefer to be looking at Noom and like paying attention to what I'm craving, what I'm consuming, maybe some variations in exercise. It's really just a little helpful friend in your pocket to just kind of help you stay on track. So Noom doesn't tell you what to do and what not to do. There's no like good or bad. It just teaches you how to look inside your own mind and make better decisions for yourself. You know, I love that psychology element. And again, we're all strapped for time. Noom just asks you to commit 10 minutes a day for yourself. That's a very small amount of time to spend on yourself and to kind of Look and see what you're doing, why you're doing it, what changes you can make. And again, weight loss is not necessarily my goal. It's just being more attentive to what I'm putting in my body and why. Yeah. So start building healthier habits and feeling better about yourself and working towards those health goals today. 
Sign up for your trial today at noom.com forward slash gals. That's N-O-O-M dot com forward slash G-A-L-S. Again, visit noom.com forward slash gals to start your trial today. That's N-O-O-M dot com forward slash gals. Treat your lifestyle. Treat it. If you're feeling a tad overwhelmed right now, then congratulations. You're a human being. Hooray! (laughs) There's just, frankly, a lot to be anxious about. Between, you know, the 24-7 news cycle, Mm -hmm. divisive politics, the pandemic, maybe, you know, homeschooling, Mm -hmm. work, Really short days with hardly any sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lack of vitamin D. Yeah. So we need to take care of our mental health and work through our emotions, especially right now. And the best way to do that is with a licensed therapist through Talkspace. Mm-hmm. And Talkspace is making therapy affordable and accessible for all because we all need extra support to feel our best. Talkspace has thousands of licensed therapists trained in over 40 specialties. So if you experience anxiety, if you experience depression, check, check. Mm-hmm. If you have a relationship, mm-hmm. check. <laughs> or don't have a relationship. Or don't check much much more i mean they even have people who specialize in substance use disorder it's just like it's amazing that you can have all of this in your pocket and no matter what talkspace will find you the right therapist to help you achieve your goals so even if you get matched with a therapist and it's not working out talkspace will work with you to match you with a different therapist and one of the things i love so much about it is that you can sign up and get matched with a therapist within like 24 hours which for a lot of folks who are in crisis is literally life-saving. You don't have to wait for referrals and all kinds of, you know, waiting to get into an in-person appointment. I love it. And I actually really prefer the like texting form of therapy because it really keeps a log of all of my progress and anything that I want to circle back to in a very easy for me to access space. So I just open up the app. I reach out to my therapist, Emily. Hey girl, how you doing? And I can just chat with her about maybe what's on my mind today. If I'm having a harder time, like getting going in the morning, what might be, you know, blocking me up. And then if I have these moments again in the future, I can revisit all the notes that I took and all the things we discussed. It's really nice. Absolutely. So talking to my friends slash publicly complaining on a podcast is so different from talking to a licensed therapist who has the expertise and knowledge to give me practical guidance. Talkspace gives us the support we need at an affordable price. As a listener of this podcast, you get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com or download the app. Make sure to use that code GALS, G-A-L-S, to get $100 off your first month and to show your support for the show. That's GALS and Talkspace.com. Treat your brain. Treat it. Like I said, my case is very, very similar to Kenyon's, but not the same and takes place on a different continent, so we're safe. There's not a whole lot out there about the life of Anne-Marie Foy, but her death certainly made headlines in Liverpool, England, when on September 15th, 2005, Anne's body was found badly beaten and abandoned in a wooded area adjacent to Royal Liverpool Hospital. So this whole area was kind of like near a college campus and there was a hospital there. So it was like Mm -hmm. pretty populated Mm -hmm. 
and she was not like really hidden. So she was found like the day after. So it's just like a little patch of trees, not like an isolated. Yeah, some people are like she was in a bush, yeah. like barely mm-hmm. hidden. It was a bold crime. Okay. Yeah. Cause of death had been ruled strangulation, and Anne-Marie was 46 years old. She had four children and a grandchild, and according to her youngest, had experienced much trauma throughout her lifetime, but the details of this trauma are not clear. Um, Her circumstances, however, did result in substance use disorder and sex work to survive and feed her family. So among her colleagues in the sex industry, she was known to be loving, maternal, and always a protector of the younger women. There's like a little living memorial at the place where she was found, where her own children and also like sex workers in that area will still come and visit and like leave flowers and things like that. Um, She was known to give the few pounds that she'd made that day to others on the block, like younger women that were out there working, to send them home safely and get them off the street for the night. Um, But unfortunately, on the night of September 14th, Anne-Marie would not make it home safely herself. Forensic pathologist Dr. Brian Rogers performed the autopsy on Anne-Marie and discovered over 60 injuries sustained, with approximately 21 to the head and neck alone. Ew. A mark on her shoulder indicated that she had been stomped on with a boot, and an odd mark to her neck indicated that she had been, like, karate chopped, for lack of a better term, like, straight in the neck with the side of the assailant's hand. Oh, whoa. The injuries showed a beating by hand, and evidence collected from Anne-Marie's body, uh, as well as the scene, indicated that she really didn't struggle. She may have been unconscious by the time the beatings began. Um, The the drug that she struggled with was mm. heroin. So that can absolutely leave you like very Tired out of it. Um, yeah. It's, it's Yeah. It's kind of like falling yeah. asleep, barely conscious. If you take enough, some other odd bruising patterns on her body were attributed to a tree branch, which was found nearby with traces of her hair and blood Someone on just it. Violently like wild uh, animal. Just, just they really yes. went to town. That's yep. really violent. In like a disorganized way too. Yeah. Yeah. An unwrapped condom was left at the scene, but was not used. Like, the condom wasn't a used Mm -hmm. condom. It was just a condom out Mm -hmm. of its wrapper. It didn't contain Mm -hmm. DNA. And for investigators, this kind of begged the question of, like, why leave this here at all? It clearly wasn't put on at all or really used because they couldn't get DNA off of it. Granted, it was 2005, but, like, they still could have gotten something. Well, yeah, maybe someone went to use it. And right. it never got to that point. Like maybe, maybe she was conscious, and she was like, "Okay, you know, open for you sure. Know, here's use this," and he then attacked and her, then yeah. drifted out, and maybe the John got upset. Right. So, like, that's a theory, and also it's a theory that it this because of how intense the beating was and the strangulation. It's possible this was someone right. who knew her and left the condom As there to make it look like a John right. attacked her. So a year after Anne-Marie was discovered, a man named Kevin Kilshaw wandered into a Liverpool police station and confessed to killing her. He claimed that he had been involved in a fight with a prostitute, his words, over money and had recently discovered that she was dead. Kevin was arrested and an investigation was launched, one that would find holes in his account of the evening's events, no physical evidence linking him to the crime, and a solid alibi for the evening in question. What the fuck? A, a psychiatric evaluation would reveal that Kevin suffered severely from untreated mental illness that led to delusions and fabrications, oh, no. that this is not 
the first time he'd ever like, done something like this. Something like he clearly did not do. Yeah, false <gasps> confession. After nearly a year of investigations and court hearings into someone who definitely did not do it, the case against Kevin was dropped. So all of that time Wasted. was just lost. <gasps> yep. Then in April of 2008, so now it's been three years since she was found, a 38-year-old man from Netherton was also arrested, questioned, and then immediately bailed, and the case went cold once again because there was not enough evidence against this new suspect to make change- charges stick. And I couldn't even find this person's name. Mm-hmm. Like, this was just mentioned in just a couple one other of articles. Lead that like, didn't quite pan yeah, out. Yeah, one other failed lead. So years passed, and it seemed that this case might not be solved. But as the years went on, DNA technology also evolved, and by 2011, smaller samples could be tested for at least partial profiles that were not possible at the time of Anne-Marie's death. Some DNA was present on Anne-Marie, both under her fingernails and a little bit on, like, the buttons of Mm. her cardigan. It had been logged into evidence, like the clippings and her Mm. clothing, so all that DNA was still available, but it was previously, it didn't ping any successful DNA profile that could be mapped. So fingernail clippings were analyzed again in 2011 and discovered trace amounts of DNA that were run through a database in the UK and pinged one particular suspect, 65-year-old David Butler of Albert Mm. Grove. David was a retired taxi driver who owned his distinctive striped cab. So even though he wasn't really like driving very often, it used to be his full time job. I think he still did take some fares on occasion mm. because he owned his taxi, and I think he maintained but his he license. For but himself, he was primarily too. retired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His DNA was logged because he'd willingly provided it years earlier to rule him out in a robbery of his mother's home. He used to live with his mom. There was a break in at the home. And both him and his mother gave DNA in that case to be like, we didn't, it wasn't staged. I didn't do that. Oh, I was just having a thought. I just thought like, I mean, obviously there's like personal privacy issues with this. And literally earlier in this episode, I talked about how I wouldn't, I would have some qualms about giving my own (laughs) DNA to a database. But Mm. maybe. Here we are. But hypocritically, maybe all like taxi drivers and Uber and Lyft drivers should have to provide DNA samples. Yeah, I think it's a slippery slope, but I can see the, yeah, you know the the pot potential preventative or positive outcome right. of something like right. that. I mean, but if then if then that's the case, then every fucking cop has to oh, do yeah. it. Like anyone who's in some sort of like public facing every service. Man. <laughs> Yeah, let's just do yeah, that. That would solve a lot okay. of murders it and rapes, lit- to be honest. Would. Would. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I totally, <laughs> I have those instincts, too, to be like, why don't these folks who get to be alone in a car and in complete control right? over individuals have more right. accountability or, like, preventative measures? I get Privacy. that. Yeah, but that yeah. also opens yeah. the door to it's a can what of worms. we're yeah, talking about here. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So in an interview with BBC News, David said, quote, there was a knock at the door in the early hours of the morning saying I was being arrested for murder. I asked, what evidence have you got? And they said they thought it was my DNA. I thought, I'll prove I'm not a suspect, but it didn't pan out that way. DNA has become the magic bullet for the police. They thought it was my DNA. Ergo, it Uh must be me. With DNA evidence and CCTV footage of a cab matching the description of it's a cab near the scene. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Some articles say his distinctive cab, but it's like it's still a cab. Like mm. all cabs are distinctive in their very mm. nature. 
because you need to be able to identify that they're mm. a cab. So I feel like that's yeah. kind of misleading. But yes, the police charged him formally with the murder of Anne-Marie Foy. The DNA sample was only a partial match of poor quality, and experts at the time said they could neither say that he was guilty nor rule him out. So he's just, it's maybe. He's just he's a just big a gray blob maybe. Of DNA. <laughs> yep. Gray blob maybe. Gray blob maybe. <laughs> So the CCTV footage was also questionable at best and later discredited entirely because of an inability to match yeah, the plates. So it was like there was just no like CCTV it, it could have it could have been his. Can't but rule it in, can't probably rule out. wasn't. Can't rule it in, can't rule it out, and they could not get a it, there's no actual enhance button on CCTV <laughs> footage. So if you can't get a, a clear plate, it, it, you zoom in and it's just more pixelated mm-hmm. and terrible. So they couldn't figure it out. So the story that the Crown was building against David was weak, but he did admit to having paid for sex in the past, but maintained that he had never had any contact with Anne-Marie. Rumors among women in Anne-Marie's beat began to circulate about an altercation that she'd had in a cab several weeks before her death, wherein she tried to lift a John's Mm. wallet, got caught, and he assaulted her in his cab. So some believed this could have been David and that he later returned to further brutalize Anne-Marie as like punishment or revenge for trying to well, steal from Well, it could have him. been David or it could have been the suspect Anyone else who that had, she maybe tried yeah, to pickpocket. Any, yeah, somebody else who had access to a cab. Exactly. So that's kind of like the two versions of that tidbit mm-hmm. of information where it's like, yes, Anne-Marie had been known to try yeah. and get a little more because it's you know obviously it's a survival yeah. tactic so if you know if she had potentially pickpocketed david maybe he came back angry or she pickpocketed mm-hmm. a different john and he caught her and right. got pissed she already got beaten up in a yeah. cab who you know it's a highly dangerous yeah. job who's to say that didn't happen again so david still staunchly denied this claim citing not only his incredibly passive nature which like okay whatever but his advanced copd mm which is basically like an updated term for Mm -hmm. emphysema. It's like emphysema and chronic bronchitis. It's Mm -hmm. like really bad. It's a serious Mm -hmm. lung condition that would absolutely alter your ability to carry out rigorous tasks like the extreme violence Mm -hmm. against Anne-Marie. Like she was so badly Mm -hmm. beaten that it would have taken... Yes, time and consistent sustainable energy to be able to carry out that kind just of murder shooting someone it was a exactly. physical ass so, stomping exactly. the tree branch yeah and the copd is not something he made up like he is treated medically mm-hmm. for it it is confirmed that he has it so what's more convincing in this defense however is a skin condition that david suffers from that causes extreme flakiness his loved ones literally nicknamed him Flaky. Oh, I have God. to go. <laughs> and though the name of the condition I, wasn't listed. Finish out without me. You guys got this. <laughs> Each article. I need to go this, right? moisturize. <laughs> yeah. Each article uh, mentioned how rare this condition is, <laughs> even though they didn't like specifically name which condition he had. But it makes me wonder if he suffered from something like Netherton syndrome or something similar. Wasn't he from Netherton? He's from this in Netherton. He's not from Netherton. He's from Albert Grove. There was a Netherton. There was another. <laughs> the guy who confessed, oh. the Kevin guy who confessed, okay. was from Netherton. It all circles. <laughs> and I'm sorry. And I'm not making fun of people with skin conditions. I'm just the no. flaky nickname was what I, got me. That's yeah. really gross. It's a little, it's a little, yeah. it's a little much. 
So because of this condition, his skin would shed in large portions, which is counter to the trace amounts of DNA found on Anne-Marie. Um, so were David the killer and in close enough contact to have killed her by choking and beating flakes. her there, or karate chopping her, much more of his DNA would have shed from his body and landed on Anne-Marie for collection. So there's strike five, six, and seven against this guy being Unless he had like a Dexter suit on. I don't know. Covered in duct tape. So David went to trial and he was held in jail for the duration of like the investigation and the trial. So he was just sitting in jail like on mm -hmm. remand. David's defense counsel, uh, Michael Woolkind, said the DNA findings were not done to the high standards of the forensic regula regulator, and he would call scientists who would refute the evidence. Quote, the idea that he violently attacked her is beyond belief, and unsafe science cannot change that fact. Throughout the trial, David maintained his innocence as well as seemingly deep sadness for what had happened to Anne-Marie. He said, quote, I just want to reiterate that what's gone on is wrong, and I will say to the day I die that I did not do this, and I'm flabbergasted mm -hmm. by it all. While the prosecution pushed that the DNA meant the two had come in contact the day that she died, further review debunked mm. this as well. The DNA samples from Anne-Marie's nails were a complex mixture of profiles, and only a partial match was found with Butler's DNA. Further analysis of the initial examination notes also revealed that Anne-Marie had been wearing glittery nail polish. <gasps> like your toes. And my fingers, uh -huh. which is significant which are here. beautiful. Quote, that is going to retain more DNA for a longer time uh, when there isn't like a very smooth top coat over the top like there is mm. on mine. Because there is more opportunity and more things for DNA to stick to because it's a yeah. rough surface. Yeah. Uh-huh. This was mentioned by Sue Pope, who is a DNA expert who worked on the case. And of course, David, I don't know why it says Arthur, David's skin condition, not only making it improbable that direct contact would leave so little DNA on Anne-Marie, mm. but also explaining how a bit of DNA could have coincidentally wound up on her. Mm -hmm. quote he was depositing a lot more cells than you might expect from a single touch oh he was like a super spreader of his yep. own dna oh. because of the flakiness exactly Uncle so flaky this, this dna expert sue pope is like there he's more likely like you said to have transfer and he mm -hmm. occasionally drives a cab comes in contact with potentially <laughs> other cab drivers comes in contact with cash coins that are exchanged among individuals. Yes. I love this interpretive flaky <laughs> yeah, skin for, dance for, you're doing. For listeners, Lucy and I are interpretive <laughs> flaky skin dancing. And I'm just ignoring it to get through the last paragraph. Of <laughs> so Salt the findings are Salt Bay. Flake Bay. Flake Bay. The findings, argued the defense, meant that Butler's DNA could have found its way onto Anne-Marie's hands. Um, and her the buttons and by entirely innocent means, for example, by mm. handling coins that had previously been touched by David Butler. Mm. And like the they leaned pretty heavily into like the skin could have been transferred through cash and that's how it ended up on her hands. And then potentially she touches her buttons. It gets on her, her buttons. It's buttons. nowhere else. She's taking cabs frequently. I don't think she had her own car. So like he says he never came in contact mm. with her, but he could have picked her up on a fair mm -hmm. randomly and just not recognize her or remembered that he did. There's like all right. kinds of ways that could have happened. Right. So after eight months of jail and 11 hours of deliberation, David was acquitted of all charges. He returned to his cell to collect his few belongings and then went home to sleep in his own bed. 
This was a win for David, but a return to square one for Anne-Marie's family, and they were obviously very sad. It's also Dave- like I, when you go through it in detail, you can see how he was acquitted. Mm-hmm. But if you aren't taking the time, if you're only reading the headlines mm-hmm. and you're not taking the time to like really go into the details, I could see it not being a really full exoneration of him right. in the public I, yeah, you know for I mean? sure, and of like from suspicion what I could, always lingering. Right. From what I could tell, I think the the surviving family of Anne Marie weren't like upset that he was acquitted. I think mm. they were just like, "Well, shit, we now we've we gone through it. what four suspects. We still have no idea who did this. It's now been, you know, six years mm. at the time of this trial in 2011. It's like, are we ever gonna know? Yeah, and that would be." devastating devastating even if you even if you are glad that the wrong person isn't going to jail for a crime they didn't commit you know that emotion would be very very complicated Mm -hmm. and david recognized the pain that this caused them as well he said in an interview quote we have to remember there were victims here and we all saw Anne marie's family and their reaction afterwards some quickly left the courtroom in tears Mm -hmm. and i didn't expect anything else no one should lose their mother in those circumstances and i wish them every success in getting justice this was another false dawn for them which must have been hard but it has to be the right man and it wasn't here like it wasn't me i feel like showing that empathy too and remember like always remembering that it's really about the victim and the victim's family while Mm -hmm. he was also you know some somewhat victimized having you know been accused and been in jail absolutely he went through he sat in jail for eight months yeah right but he wasn't brutally murdered either no he wasn't just the fact that he has that empathy for the victim and the victim's family i think is a a good sign because a lot a lot of people who can't show that kind of empathy, Mm -hmm. you'd be, you know, more suspicious. So unfortunately to this day, the case runs cold and we honestly may never know what truly happened to Anne Marie that night because there's just not enough DNA, even with the technology that we have. And that there are just too many partial profiles, too too much of a jumble. Right. And I mean, in in the sex work industry, you are going to come in contact with multiple individuals likely in in within a day mm-hmm. as well. So that would make it that much more challenging if mm-hmm. there isn't any like. Also, just spending more time on the street and like and being a, a, a drug user. Right. Yeah, there's, there's so be... many ways for her to have acquired mixed mm-hmm. profiles of a bunch of different DNA just through mm-hmm. her everyday lifestyle. And that kind of ties back to Kenyon's point previously that these tests have gotten so sensitive uh that it's actually possibly in a lot of cases becoming a detriment to the solving of a crime. Like there might need to be some sort of floor, some sort of threshold. Yeah, like like you need to have a minimum size sample to be able mm -hmm. to even enter it into evidence Mm -hmm. in a way that. Is solid because, mm-hmm. yeah, clearly they entered this partial, they hinged basically, well, with the CCTV footage too, but that mm-hmm. ended up getting tossed out. But they hinged this entire case on DNA that was... At the same time, you know, if you have a tiny little bit and you mm-hmm. put it in and then that leads you to a bunch right. of corroborating evidence. That's the thing is like, I don't mind it being a lead. You know, mm-hmm. like in your case, I get why they followed that lead because that DNA was there. So, of but course, you have to follow that case, lead. in this case, you kind of get why they followed that lead because Of the course, the DNA was the there. So, you follow the, the lead. But unless you have enough to 
like like in your case, the woman who said, you know, they kind of abandoned traditional detective work. Right. It's like you have to do that part of it too to corroborate this lead. It's not right. a smoking gun. It's it's a it's a it's, it's an a arrow. Lamb. In a, it's a chili lamb in a direction. Right. <laughs> right. So well, we just figured out investigations. Yep. <laughs> we solved it. Good case. Yeah, Good work. this was hard to find cases for, but these cases are definitely very interesting and fascinating. Mm-hmm. And I am glad that in both of these cases we covered, the wrong, the wrongly convicted person was eventually freed. Yeah, was eventually acquitted, right, or yeah. freed. But yeah, it yeah, begs the question: How often is that not happening? Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. glad that Paul Schultz made us take a good hard look at DNA evidence mm-hmm. because it's very easy to look at that and be like, well. DNA doesn't lie. DNA was found like, under the fingernails. Yeah, mm, not actually. Done. May not lie, but it can be super Deceiving. duper misleading. Mm-hmm. Deceptive, Deceptive, if you will. <laughs> oh. Thank oh. you to our fan picker, Paul Schultz. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. See you next mm, week. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers! Three childhood friends dabbled in magic and then scattered to different parts of the world. 20 years later, they're back in their hometown, but now they're full-time witches, witching it for real. Nope, it's not a show on the WB. We are Courtney, Hillary, and Kanani, the hosts of That Witch Life podcast. We are actual witches talking magic, spells, magical mishaps, weird witchy stories, and spooky pop culture. Plus, we interview guests from the witchcraft world. New episodes every Monday, available wherever you get your podcasts. That Witch Life Podcast, your home for living as a witch in today's world. So mote it, witches. So mote that. <laughs>